This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot, save, rebound, SCORE! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings! And royalty reigns again in the NHL! to another episode of making it rain uh here for hockey royalty and as always i got the guest here who's hitting clappers in his beer league joe paterino my man how you doing i did have a clapper today and it went right in the goalie's chest that's not my game no it's, it's not, not my, my clap i'm not going through guys i'm a I'm much more of a fan i did have a breakaway goal um which is a lot more finesse than any sort of clapper it's not my game i don't even know why i bothered <laughs> You gotta you gotta harness your inner Marty Furk on those. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you gotta get that stick that just bends in half and slingshots the, the puck out. Uh, man, that's good though. Uh, how was uh how's your week been? Good, good. It's good. We got uh, uh, I coach like I said. I've, I've talked a bit. Coach the hockey team. We've got like the captains' practices and stuff that are going on before tryouts. So that's starting to really ramp up. So it's really like. We're getting to the point where it's knee deep in hockey season, not just, you know, watching NHL and the rain, but it's, uh, you know, personally too, from playing and, and coaching, it's, it's really starting to ramp up. Nice. Nice, man. Yeah. It was, uh, this week's been good. Went out, did a little karaoke last night, you know, with a, with a good friend. Went do you out, do karaoke uh, often? Not often. I like I like doing it. I think when I was, when, it, when I was a bartender, we had a karaoke night or, uh, every week. So, um, you know, all the bartenders would rotate on doing the KJ thing. And so when you're KJ and you sing like every, you know, 30 minutes or so, it's always something fun. And, uh, do you have a go-to that you like, are yeah. always are going to do. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. It's cause I, uh, when it's packed, when it's a packed night, normally you only get like one song, right? If you go to like a dive that's empty, you can sing, you know, five or six songs, but most of the time you can only sing one. And so, uh, I always sing say it ain't so by Weezer. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It's a, nice. it's a, it's a good song. It's not too hard to sing. And, like it's everybody knows the song and they sing along, you know, and so yep, like, it's helps. good to get crowd participation in there, you know. I am not a karaoke guy. No, if you if you were though, like, what is your what would be your song? Ooh, that's a good question. <clears throat> I think I would have. So I'm a big um, I like classic rock. I'm a big Who guy. I I mean I just I think I would have to go with Bob O'Reilly. Um, yeah. Maybe I think that's that's what I have to go. That's what I would go with. That's what nice. I would go with. Oh, nice. All right. Well, just like the, that band was a ba band was a banger. We had a, a really good week for the, uh, the rain, uh, continuing Everybody. the hot streak, man. Like, yeah. you know, and it's starting to rub off on the Kings too. They're winning games now. It's, it's uh, best of both worlds, uh, especially last night for, uh, for both teams getting uh, a dub. So 
you're, you're looking at upcoming games, though. You got Saturday, November 6th at Bakersfield, and then Sunday, November 7th versus Colorado. So uh, a split a split team home and away, kind of a weird schedule that they had going on this weekend, but uh, we'll see how that works out. Uh, but uh, talk about this week and, and the streak and kind of what were your impressions of just these three games and how it's impacted the season so far? So the the game, the first road game against Abbotsford was as dominant a performance, I think, as you can have. I mean, they were 67% Corsi. It was all over the ice. Just And I think it was interesting because I think Abbotsford took the lead, but they were really, honestly, they were never in the game. That game was was all Ontario. Yet the next day, it was complete flip of the script. And it was a totally different Abbotsford team. They came out, they took the lead. And I thought I was interested to watch the game to see, okay, Ontario's on their heels here. And they haven't been on their heels very often this season. So how yeah. do they, you know, how do they respond to this? And how do they bounce back? And they did it. And they came back and won. Similar last night. They were second best uh, in that first period yesterday. Yeah. Um, again, trailing early, um, but just kind of resiliency and then eventually just completely pull away. So I like the fact that they're winning games kind of when they're not at their best. They're maybe being a little outplayed. So you know that they can kind of dig somewhere and find find that that extra gear or whatever you got to do to get the job done. And it helps that their power play is clicking now. So uh you know, that, that certainly will, will erase some things, but overall uh, I think it's, we saw a little bit of everything. We saw them dominate and we saw them be dominated and yet they win three games. So it's, uh, it's impressive. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have them. Um, you know, they came back in the first game, um, you know, they scored five goals in two of the games. Uh, Jersey had a nice uh, game one of this series with two goals and an assist. Uh, so, you know, he had a, a really good game there. And, and so I, I really liked the, the defense and then, you know, like you said, the power play is second in the division with the 28.2%. So they're taking advantage. Um, I know uh, both, uh, there's two games where there was a lot of penalties for the other team and you got to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, and when you're putting up a five spot, two out of the three games, they're definitely taking advantage of, of opportunities with, you know, two goals or two power play goals in the first game and several in, in the next two games. So I really like that from them. Um, it seems like they're, they're gelling on that, which was a big key for us coming into the season is having the power play gel a little bit better. You know, and we're talking to, we, we talked in the past about how the scoring has been so spread out. And, and while that's for the most, it's still kind of the case. The D are still chipping in. Dersey's, Dersey had another goal last night, a shorty actually. But um, that top line of Tynan, Ferk and Burke is, if it's not the best line in the league, it's got to be up there. I mean, both are top 10 in scoring and they had eight points last night uh, between the three of them. They are just utterly dominant on the ice uh, and it's no team has had an answer for them. Um, it's, it's, it's remarkable to see how well they've come in. It's, and there's two new guys. It's FERC with two guys that were not around last year um, and kind of more of the AHL veteran types. And obviously Tynan was the MVP. So you figured he was going to bring, quite a bit of quality to the team and that line has just been so good to watch uh they're they're dominant they're all over the ice yeah it's, it, especially since Burke was put on it like in mid-season like it wasn't like they've gelled all preseason and everything like that but they just made a little bit of a line switch mid-season and they haven't missed a beat and you know maybe that's the the pair philosophy that I like you know the, the time and for pair has been good and they just found the third to slot in um yep. 
if, if, exactly. that's how, if that's how it works out. But if you're looking at, you know, obviously it's leading to wins. Rainer 7-0-1 with 15 points. Stockton Heat are second with 11 points. So in first place in the division, you know, Ferk's got six goals. Tynan leads the team with assists and points with 10 and 13 respectively. So that line is definitely as advertised so far and, and consistently putting uh, the pucks in the net game after game. Yeah, I, I guess and even so now we're seeing too Tynan who had I think 10 assists before he scored a goal and he's got three goals in two games and so now all of a sudden he's going to start putting pucks in the net too it's just a total totally different element of that game so you know we, we talk about secondary scoring in Los Angeles a lot you know that line is definitely carrying a lot of the load right now um Tyne, it's particularly Tynan and Ferk. I mean, Burke is chipping, you know, I don't take anything away from him, but it's obviously the two two guys that are leading the way, plus the defense chipping in. You know, I think we are at the point where we're going to need at some point to start to see, you know, I hate to say this, but like Fagimo, you know, I've been a big Madden guy this season so far, but the pucks aren't falling quite yet consistently. And Turkow, like those are three of the guys that we're going to start to see, okay, we, we're, you know, you want to start to see some production, you know, they're not playing poorly. I, I've been on, I've told you, I said before, I'm on the Madden hype train, but you know, we, we do at some point, the production is going to have to come from, from at least one of those, those guys. Um, and we'll see what happens um, because that second line of Turcotte, um, Wagner and Fagimo is getting a boatload of chances with Wagner speed. Um, but they haven't quite, the, the goals aren't coming quite consistently yet um, but this could be a situation where we start to need some secondary scoring because at some point the tight end line will probably have a couple of games where they go cold the power play is not going to click at 30 percent all year so you're going to start to have to have some other guys chip in and, and that's where you hope to start to see the likes of Turcotte and Fagimo Madden lead that charge yeah it's been kind of a it's been kind of a uh, a part of of the team so far as having secondary scoring so we'll see where that comes from um, you know, before we get into positive negatives and, and our MVP, we'll, we'll talk about some news for the team. Obviously, uh, Clay got brought up for the uh, Walker situation. He's been playing well with the Kings. Uh, Vladimir Kachev has been sent down, uh, had his first game with the team, got a point on the power play. Shocker. And <laughs> uh, But how did you think he played? And, you know, where does he need to improve in his game to get the nod to come back up? To me, I did not see him as overly engaged at five on five. So, and what I mean by engaged is not, you know, he doesn't have to go out and like throw his weight around or hit guys, but it just, if he's in open space and it's on his terms, he's great. This is why he's so good on the power play. If there's a little less room, it gets a little tighter check. He's there's, there's not the extra jump isn't there and it, it, it's not clicking at the moment. And I can, you can, it's probably why he's in Ontario right now and he's not still with the Kings. You know, it's at, at some point, how long can we carry a guy who is, boy, he's awesome on the power play. How long do you carry that if the five on five game is struggling? But you know, it's only one game in Ontario, but I, I wanted to see a lot more from his five on five game. You know, I wanted to see a guy get sent down and you know kind of take it put a little chip on his shoulder and carry the play I mean there's no reason why he can't drive a line as a winger he was playing with Anderson Dolan there's no reason why he couldn't you know lead that line and and, and create chances at five on five and I, again it's one game I'm not gonna go crazy but I just didn't see enough of it 
Yeah, it, it, we, you would like to see him, you know, do what Leah Sanderson did, did last year with getting a, kind of a chip on his shoulder, came up exactly. and, and, and dominated last year. So uh, towards the end of the season and has carried that into this season, you know, really found his game um, after going back to the A. So we'll see how that works there. And maybe it's, the, you know, coming still learning the, the, you know, getting used to the ice size. Like you said, he, he likes the open space. Um, I don't know. Does the KHL use a bigger ice sheet? I, I honestly, I don't know if they do or if they do, if it's every team that does, but I, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, I have to look that up. Um, so maybe that might be an issue too, because, you, you know, that's a problem typical for European players with, on a bigger sheet uh, that are creative types. They have a hard time with the smaller ice and the, the quicker, the quickness to make your decision. So, um, you know, we'll see how that works out for him, but hopefully, um, he can get a week's worth of practice in with Robo and, you know, a coach who likes yep. to have his players to fly offensively five on five as well. We'll see if that, um, you know, helps his game out and, and pushes it, or if he gets the call up because of the Leah Sanderson situation, um, or if they give another person a chance, you know, there's been quite a few people playing well, um, you know, and we'll get to that with the positives uh, later on, but um, who do you think, you know, Anthony is coming off the IR. Anderson got deemed last night. Who knows if he'll miss games. We still have some COVID stuff uh, with Velarde and Arvidsson. So um, if they do decide to bring somebody up for maybe tomorrow's game um, or the, or the weekend, how do you see that? Who do you see maybe as a potential player to fill in? Cause Anderson was it, playing on the top line. So, right. Yeah, and it's hard to say because <clears throat> obviously we don't know what the, like you said, with the Arvidsson situation, but I, I think it'll depend on what they're looking for in terms of a role. If they want somebody to slot in on the top line with Kopitar and Brown, or if they want somebody to play further down the lineup. Um, I, I, I really think Anderson Dolan has played well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if he's somebody that gets a call. I know everybody's begging for Turcott, but I think he's looked fine he hasn't looked bad but I don't know that he's at a, at a spot where it's a it's a necessity that they need to call him up um I think if they wanted to especially because he's playing in the middle right now too so I don't know it, the spot that seems to be that would be open is on the wing in Los Angeles so I don't know if they want to put him there they could but that's the same goes for Anderson Dolan too like he's playing in the middle so maybe that doesn't make sense Maybe they bring an Austin Wagner back up. I wouldn't be totally shocked at that. They seem to play things a little bit conservatively in Los Angeles does. So I think those are maybe some of the candidates. Um, <clears throat> I, I just, I get the sense that they are willing to be extremely patient and slow play Turcotte. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. And it's up Friday. I don't know, but I, I just, um, I think it depends on the role that they're looking to fill. Yeah, I mean, the player that kind of comes to mind and, you know, it's, it's definitely not going to be a permanent thing and he wouldn't have to clear waivers again would be Martin Furt, right? If they need, if a scorer type and they're missing Arvidsson on the power play and, you know, they bring him in for that power play uh, help and, you know, maybe he doesn't play first line and they, they, or maybe he does and they just, they deal with, you know, his, uh, you know, his defense or whatever at that point. Um, but you know, if he doesn't play over 10 games and he's not there a full month, he doesn't have to clear waivers again. And it doesn't, the, you know, the COVID situations don't usually last that long. So that might be a quick fix for somebody who's already been up with the team and, and has that power play ability. I, I, I suppose I don't, 
it wouldn't be my pick. And I, I don't take anything away from him. He's obviously playing well and he's got great chemistry with Tynan, but I don't know. I just, I don't see his game translating at the next level, the way it does. He's, he is a, a really, really good, probably all-star caliber, uh, obviously all-star caliber AHL player. And I'm, I'm just not sure that, that it, his game will translate on a consistent basis. Like you said, maybe if it's only a couple of games, but I would, I'd rather see them go a different direction. Um, but I guess we'll see. I mean, there's, there's certainly, you know, they're, they're not short on options. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll find out what it is, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Wagner. He's a winger. They know what they got in him. He, he, his wheels, he flies up and down the ice. He gets a, he gets multiple chances in the open every single game in Ontario. He is getting chances of, of, in abundance. Uh, obviously, they're not going in, and I know it tends to be the butt of the joke sometimes, but it is what it is. He's creating chances all the time. Um, and, you know, anyway, I know Kings fans have seen that in Los Angeles, too, in the past. So, oh, I, I, I think he's somebody that they could, they could go with, too. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see. And maybe, uh, you know, a dark horse, even though he's not playing great in – Ontario at the moment would be Fagimo because he is a winger. He played first line with Kopitar a couple of the preseason games. Um, And so maybe that could be an option there. Um, And, you know, he wouldn't have to clear waivers or anything like that. So, you know, those would be some options that we go with, or who knows, maybe by tomorrow they're off COVID and, you know, all this is a mute point. So, right. All right. So let's get into the the awards here. Um, Who's your MVP of the third week of games? You know, I, I want to say I'm going to go with Sean Dersey. <clears throat> they, they, I think when they had the call up of Clegg, um, which I had no problem with, I'm a very big fan of Clegg's, and he's had a good start to the season. <clears throat> but because it was the right side defenseman that went down, I think, you know, maybe there were some people, including myself, that would have liked to see Dersey come up, particularly they were needing that offensive guy, maybe on the right side. So, you know, you wanted to see how he responds and he goes and gets four points in the first game, two goals, two assists. Then he scores a shorty last night. So he, his game is just, he didn't miss a beat. You know, if he's, you know, I don't know, bothered by it, upset by it, frustrated that he didn't get the call. It certainly isn't reflecting in his game. And I just am really, really, you know, happy and kind of impressed with how he's, he's uh, bounced. I say bounced back as if, I, I don't know what he was expecting, but um you know, he just, he played well in a situation where it could have been him that got the call and it wasn't, but he's, he's played very well since. Yeah. Third on, third on the team in points. Uh, he's got seven total points there uh, with three goals that, he, that, you know, he finally got two of them in, in uh, one of the games earlier in the week. And, and so, you know, that was definitely nice for him to see there. I'm probably going to go just because the fact it's, I mean, you could give time the MVP every week. Cause I think he had multiple, <laughs> you, he had multiple, uh, multiple point games, but uh, I'm going to go with uh FERC because, um, yeah. you went, you saw he had three goals in the first couple games and then kind of just went silent a little bit and had a four point game on, uh, on Wednesday or last night. And so, you know, definitely dominated, um, and, and is second in the team points, seventh in the league, uh, with 10 total points, six goals, four assists. So I, I think it, it's, it's him that needs, uh, got, got that recognition and really turned it on. Uh, obviously he's playing on the line with Tynan, but. Um, he's got to, you know, he put the pucks in the, he's put the puck in the net and that's what you need. Talk about instant chemistry, yeah. right? Like, I mean, they get, they get together and it has just been right off the hop since they started playing together. And, you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes it takes a bit for guys to, to come together as line mates and other times it just happens. And, 
you know, it's, it's really, it's fun to watch because you can, and you can see Robleski's tried, he, you know, he's had a couple of different wingers that played with them. It almost doesn't matter. Yeah. It, as long as those two are together, it's, it's, it's instant chemistry. You know, you, and we talked about it as a possibility because his greatest weapon is a shot. Tynan's greatest weapon is, mm-hmm. is he loves to feed people. And it was similar with Velarde. Velarde uh, is a very underrated passer, very creative passer. Yeah. And, and you saw that connection instantly. And, and, you know, Ferk's never seen a shot that he doesn't like. And so, you know, it's, amazing. It, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely an instant type, you know, chemistry there with them finding each other on the ice. And it's smart of Robleski too. Um, and you see they, every time that that line is on, on uh, has an offensive zone face off Ferk, they, they draw play up where Ferk pops out to the very high slot, almost to the point and the D man slides down and then they look to go from low to high and make it pass back to Ferk, and he's yeah. <laughs> cocked, ready, and loaded, and he just he hammers it right, and he doesn't he he he's fallen down taking shots. He just like you said, he doesn't see he hasn't seen a puck. He doesn't like to shoot. It's it's crazy, but hey, it's working, and they're going in. So yeah, he's leading the team in shots. He got 20, uh, 29. So um, you know, hopefully, you know, he he continues to see that success there. Uh, second, it looks like second in the team in shots is Samuel. Um, uh, same with Fagami. So, um, you know, hopefully he starts getting more of those to fall in that line and, and kind of gets going there with that scoring touch. So, yeah, Ferk and, Ferk and Dursey had some good games, um, you know, or good weeks and, you know, definitely going to continue it up. And hopefully for Dursey's sake, maybe he gets a, co- a cup of coffee if there's some trades this season, maybe, you know, with Mata or whatever, or if, you know, God forbid another injury, um, he gets he gets called up because he's so far he's looked like he's deserved it. And a hat tip to the goaltending too. Both of them, um, both Valalta and Sparks. Uh, Valalta had two games. Sparks had the one in the middle, and they just continued to play well. Their numbers are just outstanding. Um, I, you know, they're they're doing a heck of a job. And Valalta was needed. He was needed last game. Uh, Sparks was needed in the in the middle game against Abbotsford, and uh, they they were there, kept the team afloat let them get their legs under them after the first period. And then they just took over from there. But, you know, if those, if they, you know, if those games are, you know, two nothing or, or something like that, they start to get away a little bit and the rain are chasing it more than just a one goal deficit. It could be a little bit of a different scenario, but they're keeping them in the games if the rain are on their heels and, and full marks to them. Yeah. Valalta got the third star of, of the game uh, last night, um, you know, stopping 32 shots on or uh, 32 uh, shots out of 34 total shots or attempts. So, you know, play the full 60 minutes and, and he's looked pretty good. I mean, the team hasn't given it more than two goals all week. So the defense as a whole has been pretty decent. And so that's something that we definitely want to see continue. Yep. No question. So, uh, you know, let's get the negatives out of the way. If there is any, I'll start on this one. You know, the, the PIMS, the, they still lead the Pacific in penalty minutes. Um, I've noticed that quite a few has been for fighting, uh, which I like that, you know, m- members of their team stepping up for, for your teammates and everything like that. So, Maybe that's it's kind of like a like a fool's number almost because you know fighting is not really a penalty that gets you in a negative game script because both guys go off the ice um, and so I don't know if that's really con- you know contributing to a lot of the numbers overall throughout the full season. I I should have looked up how many fighting penalties they had. I know they I saw they had I think three in this week. Um, so you're looking at is that contributing to the total penalty minutes or are they, are they just taking bad penalties as well? Yeah, I, I, I can't. And I'll say this, like the game yesterday was that second period was the sloppiest 
one of the sloppiest periods of, of hockey I think I've ever watched. It was just a gong show. And I think there was six penalties into six to eight penalties in total offhand. I don't remember now exactly, but there was a handful of penalties. I have it up six, uh, four for Henderson and two for the rain. Yeah. So there was just a ton of just kind of back and forth. I, I don't sense that there's been, I, I haven't found myself watching the games like, ah, that's a bad penalty or an offensive zone penalty. The Kings, Kings have taken a handful of offensive zone penalties at, at terrible times. Um, haven't seen much of that. I mean, I know one of the fights was Sutter dropping them late yesterday. So yeah. Um, yeah probably, some frustra- probably some frustration from Henderson getting absolutely. there, getting there butts beat yeah. and everything. Yeah, absolutely. And they were pretty tippy last year, you know, with uh, the matchups, you know, there, there was a pretty good rivalry with, uh, you know, with Henderson last year. And so, you know, maybe that's boiling over to the season. You know, what's funny was I, I thought I'm watching and I was kind of expecting that, right? And the first period was pretty quiet. And then the second period, there was all those penalties, but it wasn't, the game didn't get chippy. It was chaos and it was just a bizarre second period it was sloppy but I didn't sense there was like a lot of chippiness then to your point I think they all frustrated at the end of the third and that's when it started to get that way but yeah it was a it was a weird second period yeah it's it's, it's got to be the weird second period because like you said because you got the shorthanded goal there um you know Jared Anderson Dolan takes a boarding penalty there's a shorthanded goal uh after that that's you know that's always a game killer and then that we score a power play goal from Tynan and then another goal right after that. And, and uh, you, normally the penalty kill being successful, you know, uh, towards the end of the period might've got him some momentum, but it didn't really seem that way. It seemed like the rain put the pedal on, you know, Henderson got a goal late, but I think I thought the game was pretty much not out of hand at that point. Cause it was three, two, but it seemed that way that the rain were, uh, play uh, we're putting kind of the foot on the throat towards the end of that, well, there was, that game. There was also a goal. So Henderson scored, and I think it would have tied it at two, but it was disallowed. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, it was I think it was right before the FERC, it was right before the FERC goal. Henderson has a breakaway. It beats Valalta, hits the post. Valalta at the just as does enough to sweep it off the line. It ends up kind of being a scramble, ends up on Madden stick. Madden makes a great outlet pass to Ferk, who scores. Yeah. So there was like, and then so they review it though. So adding to the bizarreness of this period, the referees reviewed if the Henderson goal did go over the goal line. Because if it did and Valalta didn't hit it out in time, well, that means the Ferk goals off the board, the Henderson goals on the board. And we had a whole different ball game again, but it didn't, yeah. it was, it was a crazy period, crazy sequence. Was there any, uh, any negatives for you this week at all like that you saw maybe, or maybe, is there something you're not seeing from a player that you would like to, them to step up? I, I, I don't know that from a player standpoint, you know, I, I don't want to harp on, it's a fine line. And I know we talk about it. I think as fans a lot with, with the prospects and Turcotte and why isn't he up or why isn't he producing or whichever side of the fence you fall on. But you know, he is still young. He hasn't played a ton of pro hockey. So I understand, and he's had injuries. I understand the patience. My, my, I don't know if it's a concern, but I really, I don't, I'm not surprised the way Abbotsford came out in the second game and they dominated that game um, start to finish. The rain really struggled, but it was good that they come out with the OT win. But then against Henderson, 
they came out and it was a really bad first period again from the rain. And that, that was two poor first periods in a row. And I don't know, there's been those two games. And then there was two games prior. I won't count the San Diego game because that was, they dominated that one the first couple of periods, but Bakersfield, they struggled in. So there's been a couple of games where as long they're, they're winning games are seven Oh and one, but there's been a few games where they have definitely been second best in terms of possession numbers, the high danger chances, they've overall been much better than their opponents. So I like that they are creating scoring chances at a higher rate, but you know, just, it's something to keep an eye on, you know, the first couple of games of the season, they were controlling the play front for, you know, top to bottom and, and from the start from puck drop, but there's been a couple of games here and, you know, you're on the road, you don't have the matchups, you don't have the face off. So I, 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 you know, I just want to see how, once they get back home, you know, how does that turn? Is it a situation where teams that are home are going to start to say, okay, we got to figure out a way to slow down this tying in line and we need to make somebody else beat us make Turcotte beat us. And until he does make him do it right. Because he's not producing at like at this crazy level, like the, say the tie in line is. So if, if you get a team that has to figure out how to shut down, if they can figure it out, how to shut down the tie in line, you know, that, that it comes with matchups and home and away. So I don't, the only negative I would say is I really didn't like say four of the periods here, particularly in the last two games uh, in general. So that's, that's the only thing I would say from a negative standpoint. Yeah, and it, and who knows if that line it could just pick up in an instant because you see, you know, um, Samuel and Madden have both uh, are second and third in the team in, sh in shot attempts. So, like, they're getting shot attempts off. They're not really falling. They only have five goals between the two of them. So, you know, once those start falling, does, does Turcotte's game look a little bit better? Because obviously his his game has uh, primarily been effort. You know, his the effort he puts and in. There forechecking and, and, and everything like that and getting the puck and and he does he's a good with the assist he, he never was going to be a premier goal scorer in the league and so sure. the stuff that he is he's as good as advertising the skills that we knew that he had it just is not coming on the score sheet yet and you know maybe when the shots start to fall for the other two guys he'll start to get more apples and and you know it, it won't look as bad as it does on the score sheet so far yeah, and I think I think that's part of the reason why the Kings are probably going to want to be patient with him. That's why they have been patient with him is they probably want him to get into a little bit of a rhythm, you know, put, put a stretch of games together that, you know, not to say that points are everything because I don't think that they necessarily are. And I don't think he's playing poorly. I just think they, they give him a, a little bit more of a run if he can get a stretch of a week or two where he has a good run up and he does pick up some product, uh, some points that, you know, he starts to, to gain a little bit more confidence and he starts to play with a little bit more pep um, and, and be a little bit more assertive, maybe in the offensive zone. Um, and, and if things start to fall, then, then he gets a call a, a little bit later in the season, but um yeah, it's not to say it's any of those guys are playing poor. Actually, I, I don't mind their games right now. It's just, yeah. they, the, to your point, they just may not be falling yet. So we'll see We'll see how that turns up. I mean, you know, we're doing weekly podcasts. So sometimes, you know, it's going to take more than a two-game or three-game set to yeah. really turn something on and everything. Like that obviously, we see it with the Kings. Uh, most fans thought the season was over already a couple of weeks ago, and now we you know, run off three <laughs> straight, and Twitter's calmed down a little bit. So, you know, like, it's the same thing can happen with those guys, guys in games. So uh, what are the big positives for you? Like, where have you seen the growth in the season so far, uh, maybe as from a team standpoint or from a player standpoint that you've really enjoyed? 
Well, what I, I touched on it uh, earlier, and to me, it's, it's probably my probably my biggest takeaway is the fact that they're playing, even when they're not playing well, they're, they're finding a way to win games. Um, whether it's they're getting big saves from, from the goaltenders to keep them in, they're scoring a timely power play goal, whatever it might be. You know, like I said, that second average for a game, they were not very good. Um, but they they came away with a win. They figured it out. They, they had to roll up their sleeves. They had to play a little bit differently, but they won the game. They had a bad first period against um, Henderson yesterday. Valalta keeps them in it, and then they go and take over the game after that. So I like the fact that that even if they're games where they're not just dominating and, and outplaying teams from start to finish because of how skilled they are and they're just running away with a game, that they're able to win games if they aren't playing that well. And I think this is now they – <clears throat> the game against uh, the second game against uh, uh, Abbotsford was their second overtime win. I think both against Abbotsford. So they've gone to overtime yeah. a couple of times. They've got a number of one goal wins or one goal game type wins. So it's nice to see that they're able to do that in addition to, you know, all, all the, the, some of the flashy stuff too. It's good. It's good. a variety of ways they can beat you. Yeah. I've really enjoyed, um, you know, we harped on it earlier in the year as far as the defense activating um, and they've continued to do that. Um, both the young defensemen that are first year pros uh, in America, Spence and Granz, um, haven't looked out of place. They seem to get better every week uh, or every game. Um, you know, Granz, granted small, small uh, sample size, but over a half point per game, you know, he's actually at 0.6 points per game right now uh, with three assists in, in five games. So it's, it's looking good there and, and I've really enjoyed the defensive play. Yeah, he's he's the and I I've said it before and I'll probably be a broken record. Like I almost if I don't notice him, like I'm okay with that right now. I just let ease him into this season, right? Yeah. I'll look at like production or all that stuff and how he's making certain things. I guess maybe a little bit later. I just want him to get more, you know, become more comfortable uh, and get more comfortable. One thing I'll say too is the Rainer, they are outscoring their opponents at five on five, but they are pretty reliant right now on the power play. I think they're in the top six or seven uh, in power play reliance. 34.4% of their goals have come on the power play. Uh, the AHL average is 26. So again, it's not a bad thing that the power play is clicking. It's just, you don't, if you, if that goes cold and you don't have the secondary five on five scoring that we talked about earlier, you know, that's when, that's when, it might start to, you might start to struggle a little bit, right? So you don't want to become over-reliant on the power play necessary. And I don't want to say that's not necessarily negative that they're as reliant as they are. It's just something that to, to remember that you're not going to click that at that rate all season. You know, you're going to have stretches where the power play goes cold. It happens. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be negative as like Joe here. And I'm, I think the power play can only go up, guys. So fans out there, uh, yeah, 28.2% uh, on the power play, second in the division and second in the league. Only the goals have uh, more. They're at a 35% clip right now. Um, so definitely something that's, you know, but as is what we thought, you know, we thought last year they were going to do that with all the, right. all the guys there, um, you know. and Well, so Tynan has been, he's, he has turned that whole power play around. It is right. And we, you know, we talked about it, you know, early in the season with the guests that we had on um, the play-by-play -play guy over with Colorado about how good he is at, at running a power play. And it's, he's the reason why the power play is what it is. Yeah. He's, he's running it. And, uh, and Ferk is just launching bazookas from, from yep. his kitchen over there. And yep. you know, it, it's been, it's been good. So, 
uh, you know, this team's only going to get better. And then, you know, they're going to be getting a piece back soon. Right. Um, I don't know if you saw, uh, kill Thomas on Twitter, put a yeah. little, winky, put a little winky face and, and Turcutt commented, he's back. So, um, he's, it, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to start skating this week with the team, um, and potentially be playing games. Um, they said, you know, roughly mid November was his timeline. So we're getting close to that. Um, you know, if it's going to, what an long. exciting player to, what an exciting player to add in. That, yeah. That's just going to be fun to watch. Yeah, two hundred like guy, and, and and he's probably yeah. one of my favorite under most underrated prospects that people don't really talk about. I um, like his game, and because he's a guy that can, you know, again, he can play up and down the lineup. He's got the skill to play up high. He can roll up his sleeves. He's got a great, great release. Uh, he he's a he's a heck of a player. Where he slots in when he gets here is going to be, you know, it's it's and just another guy to talk about in terms of, you know, who to call up later in the season in Los yeah. Angeles. But, uh, yeah, it's it's he's he's going to be fun to watch. The the rich get richer on that in that in that fantastic that's standpoint. Right. So that's right. Yeah, you know, so that that's not the only news. I know we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it because the Kings were in this saga for so long. But Eichel finally gets traded. Uh, what are your thoughts on him going to a division rival and and what uh, Buffalo ended up actually getting out of that uh, deal? Uh, first, the division rival. It's bad for the Kings. Just make no mistake about it. That Jack Eichel. Bad for everybody in the Pacific Division. I mean, Jack Eichel is an excellent hockey player. He's a top ten center in the NHL. That's probably being, you know, that's probably not doing it enough justice. Um, I think that for those in the West Coast and in the Pacific that haven't had a chance to, you know, see a ton of Jack Eichel, you're going to see a lot of Jack Eichel, and he is he's impressive. Um, so it's from a Pacific division standpoint, it sucks <laughs> that he's, yeah. that he's going to Vegas. Um, in terms of what Buffalo got, I mean, it's been, I live out in the market. I mean, I'm in, I'm an hour and a half away from Buffalo and it is in the news every single day, um, out where I am. I don't know, cause you know, Twitter is trending in your area or whatever. He has literally been trending on Twitter in this part of the state for months, um, yeah. It, it's it has been the topic of conversation um i think buffalo i was always of the opinion they were never going to get what they were asking for like for example we talk about the kings that they weren't going to get byfield we talk about the ducks they were not going to get uh zegris they were not going to get drysdale i didn't think they had the leverage i didn't think kevin adams had the leverage to do that um i think all things considered and i've heard mixed reviews from Buffalo fans and media and whatnot on the trade. I actually think he did all right. I think Kevin Adams got what he could. Krebs is a fine prospect. I think he, he, he projects to be at least a, a, a solid NHL player, maybe not a star. Um, I'm a fan of Alex Tuck, maybe more than some. He's from the area too, which doesn't hurt. Both those guys are young. Both those guys are team controlled for a long time mm-hmm. at good money. Um, and, you know, obviously then you get draft picks, which you never know. And then, I think part of the deal that hurt the Sabres, I guess, is, is um, you know, they didn't retain any salary. They were not willing to do that, which is not surprising from the Pagulas. Yeah. Um, so I think it probably hurt the return maybe a little bit. Um, but all in all, I think Buffalo got a decent haul. All things considered, they traded a guy who's very hurt and <laughs> needs a pretty big surgery and is going to be gone for at least another three months. So um, who didn't want to be there? It was a very public matter. Yeah. Um, everybody knew it. So I think Adams did about as well as he could. Yeah. And if you look at the, their compensation is uh, they got a, 
first, you know, first round talent prospect. They got a NHLer who is is a top played anywhere in the top nine, somewhere in the top six for for Vegas. So if you're thinking similarly for what the Kings could have gave up, it probably would have been, you know, something like a Turcotte or a Velarde or a Kupari, one of those guys with an Adrian Kempe or Alex Iafalo and some picks. You know, I think what, what we always heard about those guys, right, mm-hmm. um, from talking about L.A. And, and But you know what I didn't think of until – until we start, you know, maybe watching it and, and it, it was always forward prospects that were talked about. Um, but I think what, what Buffalo has, if there's, if they're deep in one thing, it's left shot demon uh, in their organization. And I think it, you know, once the Kings got Brant Clark, you know, could a Jordan Spence, Helge Grands, could somebody like that on the right side where Buffalo is not very deep in, like they would, it would be in addition to one of those forwards, in addition to a Velarde, in addition to a Turcotte. So they, they, the Sabres can check off a couple of boxes. They get their their young forward that they project to be hopefully a top six. They get a right shot D-men as well, and then your draft picks, whatever, or a salary, you know, however they were going to work out the rest of the deal. Lord knows what I would love to know what the offers were coming from, from other teams, but including Los Angeles. But um, I, I wonder if that is something that ever came up in conversation because the Kings had, you know, maybe some right shot D at their disposal uh, after this draft. Um, so, you know, who knows, which I, I have been on record. I would have done almost anything to get Jack Heichel uh, in Los Angeles, but I understand after the no deal, it, it's tough to make sense of it. Um, yeah. But so I, I get it. But, and I also understand that, that, you know, and I think this hurt Buffalo too, is they were really, really adamant about this whole surgery thing. I don't know. Obviously Vegas is comfortable with him in getting uh, the surgery that he wants. Um, and I don't know, obviously if the Kings were inter- were okay with that. And if they weren't okay with that, then it's a deal breaker. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I just know I would have loved to get Jack Eichel in Los Angeles. He was my number one hope uh, in the off season. The second it became public, he was very available. Um, and uh, it sucks to see him in Vegas. There's no doubt about that because just as the Kings are maybe going to start to turn a corner here, you have Vegas, who's already one of the top teams in the league, just insert one of the top players in the league. So that's, that sucks, but Hey, it's fun. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see him come over and, you know, and see if he'll ever be like he was his former self. You know, this is going to be un, un, unscripted territory for for because he wants to do a surgery that hasn't really been around for very long um, or has been attempted very much for athletes of his ilk. And so, you know, um, for the sake of him, you want to see him get back to his glory for the sake of United States hockey. You want to see yeah, him seriously. get back to glory for the Kings fans. Um, you know, you don't wish ill, Ill will on anybody. It's just going to be sucky to have. That's the only weakness that Vegas had was their center depth and they get a true number one guy. Well, how lucky is the Pacific Division opponents? You get to face off against Jack Eichel and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. All the, how many times a year? Have fun with yeah. that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> great. I mean, the high-end center, and, you know, and Kopitar's no slouch. The high-end center depth for this division is, is, is yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. You got you know, Elias Pettersson is, is coming into his own. Uh, you know, you, you're going to have – you've had Getzloff for so long in this division, and, and now, you know, Zegers looks like he is going yep. in that trajectory. 
So it's going to be pretty crazy to see this division. Byfield, Byfield, that next is a yep. lockdown centerman. I mean, he's not really, you know, uh, he a, does it in a different guy. way. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. So fun. It'd be interesting to see, and you know, I don't know how the the surgery is going to be or how long, but if Vegas makes the playoffs and they pull a Tampa Bay and he's on the long-term IR and is able to come just for the playoffs, that definitely could be a boost for them. Listen, I mean, you can put a line out there. Lord knows what they'll do with their lineup, but if you can have an Ico Pacioretty stone line, I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, so they'll figure it out they, I, I, what I appreciate about Vegas and I, I've said this before and this 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 ties into um, you know obviously what, what covering the AHL team that we that we do in Ontario especially one as deep as it is with with prospects Vegas is not hesitant to trade their picks and trade their prospects and you know what I kind of like it um, because almost every single number one pick that or first round pick that they've had has, has been traded away either before it was taken or after it was taken. Like they don't have anybody. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, I guess it could come home to roost at some point, but you know what? Like you teams hug their prospects a little too tightly sometimes, I think. And then all of a sudden it gets to a point. It's like, where does he fit now? He hasn't developed to the player that we all thought he was going to, which he's a prospect. These are kids and you don't know how they're going to develop, you know? So in two years, in a year, and I'm just throwing a hypothetical out there because, you know, we don't know what was on the table or what wasn't on the table. Will the Kings be Kings fans, I should say, be kicking themselves. If, you know, if a Turcotte Velarde deal was on the table and they said, eh, we're not going to do that. Are they going to be kicking, knowing that they still have Byfield, Madden, yeah. Ari, Fagimo, Thomas? Like, there's still that's that's what got me, which why I thought the Kings could really make a serious run is you could trade three pretty good prospects and still be loaded. Um, which I, you know, again, I wish they would have done, but it's it's fun to watch them. It's they're they're in Ontario, so yeah, they didn't get traded to Buffalo, so that which, you know I could have watched them in my neck of the woods in Rochester, though that would have been yeah. fun uh, to see some of these guys get over. But uh, anyways, but uh, my whole yeah, it's the thing is 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 don't hug your prospects um, because they're not all going to make it. Yeah, well, it's it's you know you don't want to be a like a downer like a, you know we're talking about, but the, the the facts are the facts. You know, first round picks roughly only 20% play over hundred games, you know, that's a little over a season in the pros and, you know, obviously Byfield, Turcotte, Velarde are all high end, uh, mm -hmm. you know, top 10 picks. So those statistics are probably a little bit different for those, those types of prospects. But, you know, you see in the NFL with the Rams haven't had a first round pick in eight years because they're trading them for on all pro corner. They traded him for right. Matt Stafford, who now is, you could say he's the first or second best quarterback in football this year with how well he's playing. You know, you're trading him for guys that are all pros already and they're in their prime, which is what Eichel would have been. Obviously the surgery dampers, maybe your feeling on the trade uh, for some organizations, but um, I thought it was worth the risk before signing to know, uh, depending on how much they were wanting. And now that the package mm -hmm. has been shown, like I would have been fine with, you know, a Turcotte or whoever the, 
Kepe or Ayafalo and, and a couple of picks, you know, I would have been. So I just wonder what that, yeah, what, what were those offers in the summer, right? I think yeah. that's what everybody wants to know. What from every team, what were those offers in the summer, you know, and that's, and what we came out today that, that, uh, that was talked about that Eichel talked about was he actually asked for a trade two years ago. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, maybe if you traded him then when he was healthy, you could have got him. I don't know. It's fun. It's fun oh, to speculate. It's fun. To, it's fun. You know, the big trades that, that don't always happen, you know, there's not a lot of them that happen in the NHL like that. So the big time star like that gets dealt. So it's fun. So you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, you're gonna see a lot of battles in against Connor McDavid. You're gonna see a lot of battles against Kopitar in a couple of years. And yeah, and so it, it should, it should be make the Pacific division uh, a lot uh, more entertaining uh, to say the least. Yep. So, well, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, you know, we've got two games, like I said, for, for you guys. Uh, November 6th against Bakersfield at Bakersfield. So if you guys want to take a little road trip up the, the I-5 freeway there and then catch a game up there, you guys are more than welcome. Um, and then November 7th is versus Colorado in Ontario. So two games this weekend. Go check those guys out. Uh, as always, that's uh, hockey underscore royalty on Twitter, hockeyroyalty.com. We always get uh, articles being written pretty much every single day by Joe and the rest of the contributors. Uh, and then you can find Joe at JW Paterino. There you go. And I'm at, at randocommando24 on the Twitskies. Joe, always a pleasure. I'm going to let you go rest and ice up those knees after the game, man, man. And, uh, and I'll talk <laughs> to you it. soon. Have a good rest of the week, my man. All right. Catch you. See you.